We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. It is trade season. Are the Lakers going to pull off another move? Already got one done for Rui Hachimura. Can they get something else done? Give the team a little bit more firepower ahead of the February 9th trade deadline. Joining me from Lakers Nation is Ron Gutterman. Ron, how are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, we're we're less than two weeks from the trade deadline. Can you believe it? It's, it's craziness. It's, it came up so fast. It's sneaking up on us here, kind of like it, it's been, it's almost the Christmas effect where you're looking forward to it so much. And so it feels like it's so far away. And then it also kind of sneaks up on you at the same time. I don't know how it is that that happens, but that that's the trade deadline to me. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it feels like we've been talking about these trades for like a year now, like since last trade <laughs> deadline. And we were like, well, we'll get it done by, you know, February 9th, 2023, as if that's like a date that like didn't exist. <laughs> and now it's, now it's, you know, January, late January. And it's like, oh, OK, like we're here. We have to do the trade now if we want to do this trade. So let's let's start there. Uh, what in terms of trades that the Lakers may be able to do? And that's the focus for for this show. It's who are the Lakers top trade targets? But first, we have to talk about who are they going to trade away? You have to give something in order to get something. So in my mind, and you can tell me if, I, if I'm wrong here, Ron, but if there's somebody else I should be mentioning, but in my mind, there are three players that the Lakers could potentially trade away, and it's Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, and Lonnie Walker. Um, am I missing anybody there? And then if you were to rank those players in order of likeliness to be uh, of being traded, how would you rank those guys? I'll, I'll rank them as Pat 1, Lonnie 2, Russ 3, uh, okay. which like so insane right like could you imagine the day we acquired Patrick Beverly in the offseason it was like okay cool Russ is gone Patrick Beverly's <laughs> the starting point guard right. you know much more KCP-esque like we're, we're reverting back to that it's great and now it's like yeah Pat it, it feels almost like there's no way he survives on the Lakers past the deadline um he might but it just feels so unlikely right now given all the rumors that are out there um but outside of that, I think, you know, maybe a, a minimum guy here and there, if a really like amazing deal comes around, I wouldn't be stunned if Max Christie was on the block. Uh -huh. um, but like a Damian Jones, uh, you know, one, one of the minimum guys that's not really making an impact, you know, maybe they could be used as very minor salary filler if we're just like right on the, uh, the precipice of being able to make a deal. And that's exactly what it is, salary. It's not just... 
hey, the Lakers are trying to get rid of Patrick Beverly or Russ or Lonnie Walker. It's the logistics. You need those salaries going out in order to bring anything back. And now there's a big, big gap here in these salaries. Russ, $47 million salary. If Russ was on a $10 million contract, he'd probably be at the top of the of the list, but he's not. $47 million, it's expiring, so that helps. But still, that's not an easy amount of money to move. Patrick Beverly, $13 million expiring salary. If the Lakers had multiple players who were making 10 to $13 million, then we would be talking about all those guys. Pat's the only one. He's kind of the THT, Taylor Horton Tucker, of last year, who's making that salary. And just logistically, in order to do a lot of trades, you have to put one or the other into the deal, whether it's Russ or Patrick Beverly. Otherwise, you can't stack up enough salaries to get to where you want to go if we want to talk you know, Boyan Bogdanovich or, or Miles Turner, any of the other names that we're going to get into in just a little bit. And then Lonnie Walker at just over $6 million, again, an expiring contract. Does Lonnie, though, have some some value being a wing in, in this league? Does that help the fact that he's a younger wing player where maybe if you're trading with a, like a rebuilding team, you're trading with a club that's, I don't know, say the Orlando Magic, just to pick a team out of, out of thin air, that's rebuilding they aren't going to have a lot of interest in Patrick Beverly or Russell Westbrook based on what they do on the floor. Both older guard players, they've had success in this league. But Lonnie Walker, because of his age, do you think he holds a little bit of value in that way? You know, normally I would say yes, but the fact that he's an expiring contract um, makes it a little difficult because uh, teams that acquire him will not have his bird rights and therefore you're basically acquiring him for someone else to pay him. Now, if you're a team that has the means to pay Lonnie Walker, you know, a 10 to $12 million contract, think what Malik Monk got for the Sacramento Kings. Um, if you have that type of money to give him, then you're a team that says, okay, let's get him in the door, get him liking us, and then he'll stay. Um, and we have the means to pay him. But for a lot of teams out there who don't have the means to pay him, it's like, eh, why would we give up anything of value for this guy? Like, even though he as a player does carry value in this league, the fact that he's an expiring contract it, it, without bird rights uh, makes it very difficult for teams to, like, buy into him because it's like, well, why would we give up assets just for Team X to overpay to, to pay him more than what more than what we can in three months? And even the teams that do have the kind of cap space to just sign him outright, some of them may just say, well, why give up something for him now? We can just get him without having to give up any assets in the summer. So that that's a complicating factor here for Lonnie. Whereas like with Russell Westbrook, with Patrick Beverly, it's a positive that they are on expiring deals. It can help you clear long-term salary. And look, Lonnie Walker could still help you if that's your goal, but it would be, I think, a more advantageous situation if Lonnie were on say a three-year deal that's paying him six to eight million per year that would increase his value tremendously even two even two (laughs) anything other than than one he's on would would certainly help all right let's let's get into the fun part though let's talk about who the lakers could target and see here's the thing with with trades it's a two-way street sometimes three sometimes four is a nice spot right it takes at least one other team in order to get a deal done so really when we start looking at trades we don't just start picking out, hey, I would like that player on the Lakers or that player or that player. Um, that's not the way NBA trades work. Instead, you have to think, who is it that's going to be trading players away? So with that being said, let's start with the Utah Jazz, a team that, you know, they were the talk of the league for a while there. They were even the one seed in the West, but they have slipped since. 
And there is a growing sense that they may be willing to part with some of their players. So the guys that we're looking at include Malik Beasley, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Jared Vanderbilt. Essentially, the word out of Utah is anyone that's not named Lowry Markkinen, Walker Kessler, and Ochai Agbaji are available. So is there anybody that you think would make sense as a trade target for the Lakers? We should also note those two first-round picks, 2027 and 2029, are sure to be hotly uh, discussed on the market. Yeah. I, you know, the, the Jazz are tough because those guys that are available there uh, seem to be replications of kind of the same issues that the current team has, yeah. uh, which is small guards that are either older or not great defensively or, you know, just don't do many great things that, like, this team is missing. Like, everything they do great, this team already has. Um, Jared Vanderbilt is very interesting because he's younger. Um, but, again, kind of not really what the team is looking for in terms of skill set. Uh, so the Jazz have a lot of interesting options. A lot of players that are talented. A lot of players that if you got them in the door, I'm sure you could make it work with LeBron and AD and Roy Hachimura. But not players that I'm I'm looking at and saying, oh, like the Lakers need this. They need this guy. And and I think it's hard to check that box like they did with, and I'm not saying you have to do this on every trade, but with Rui Hachimura, it was like, hey, okay, this is a guy who they can have for this year. This is a guy they can have for the next five years. The Jazz don't have a lot of those. You know, we're looking at more, you know, Jordan Clarkson, who's, who's now over 30. How is Jordan Clarkson over 30? It feels like he was just a, a Laker yesterday. But in any event, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, you know, the veteran players where um, I, I suppose we should put uh, Kelly Olenek into the mix as well, where I don't know if they're long-term fits. And so that kind of decreases the value a little bit. You know, the one guy that I will say, though, if the Lakers decide they're going to be an above-the-cap team, and there is a big Russell Westbrook trade that's out there. And I've talked a lot about this, that Russ's playmaking has actually been important. His passing ability has been important for this team. If you're just looking for a short-term fill-in in terms of skill set that could actually work out well, I'm not all that opposed to some sort of a deal that would send Mike Conley back to the Lakers. Now, he wouldn't be the main piece that I would be targeting. But if he yeah. were part of a bigger deal, some three-team trade, and you used him to, say, replace... Again, not the same players, Russ, but to a degree to replace some of the playmaking you'd be losing with Russell Westbrook, that may not be the worst idea. Again, not it's not yeah. option A for the Lakers or anything, but something to consider. Yeah, I mean, Mike Conley is is not what he once was, uh, but he's definitely not. And, you know, Russell Westbrook, um, you know, has had moments where he's been better this season. And so it's not a slight, but it's uh, Mike Conley is a less like destructive player in terms of like when Mike Conley's at his worst, it's not really dragging the entire team down. Yeah. Whereas Russell Westbrook tends to do that. Now when Russell Westbrook's at his best, he lifts the team up more than Mike Conley could. Um, but, but Mike Conley is just a safer floor uh, for what he would be at his worst. Agreed. Agreed a hundred percent. Now, and by oh, the way, I mentioned I, go before ahead. we, before we go to the next one, you mentioned Jordan Clarkson being over 30. I it's funny, like three days ago, I had this similar realization. Julius Randle is in his ninth NBA campaign. Ninth. And and I bet people are still whenever opposing for years there opposing teams. As soon as Randle would would do anything in the first play of the game, they would say, hey, do you remember he broke his leg in his, his rookie season? 
I bet people are still saying that, even though he's in his ninth. But that is unbelievable. Time flies. Time flies. Um, When we mention a player like a like a Mike Conley, um, who has salary going on next year, one of the things the Lakers can offer with these expiring deals is to is to take on future salary, and so that's a way the Lakers can can provide value in a trade beyond just putting in draft picks. So I think that's important to note as well when we're looking at these players. Some of them are going to have longer-term salaries, and that is going to bleed into the decision of the Lakers uh, for the summer. Do we want to be an above-the-cap team? Do we want to not have cap space to play with and, and kind of do your summer shopping right now, and you'll have your mid-level exception or something to use? Or do you want to drop below the salary cap, act as a below-the-cap team, have spending power that way, um, depending on what Rui Hachimura gets, if the Lakers keep him, you're looking at somewhere between 20 to 33-ish, 34-ish million dollars. Again, depending on what happens with a number of players they could have in spending power. So all these things are all related and just something to keep in mind as we kind of move through here. Um, let's jump over to another team that's that's been in a lot of rumors here, and that's the Detroit Pistons. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, everybody seems to want him, and he's been a great shooter this season. Going to turn 34 this spring, though, before the playoffs. Uh, some other names are out there from the Pistons. Of course, Alec Burks, Sadiq Bey. Uh, do the Pistons make a, a, an interesting trade partner for the Lakers? Uh, should they be in on this Bogdanovich, what appears to be a bidding war? Yeah, I mean, the it's not even rumblings at this point. I feel like it's just yeah. like open knowledge. The Pistons won an unprotected first-round pick for Boyan Bogdanovich. Um, that's like kind of what everyone has said loudly um and so when i think about that i i say to myself is boyan bogdanovich worth an unprotected first round pick at 34 um you know i i don't know the answer to that question i would lean towards no i think there are better deals out there um but you know if the lakers were to go that route it, you know it's, it's one of the more commonly talked about routes and for for good reason it, it is one of those options that you know, you look at a guy like Boyan and he kind of checks off a lot of the boxes of, hey, the Lakers need wing like size on the wing. They need shooting. Uh, he is not an, a great defender, but like he has the the size to put a body on someone and it's not going to completely tank your defense. So he checks off a lot of those boxes. You know, it, it's to me, it's adding a 34 year old, um, giving up an unprotected first round pick, splitting up the 2027 and 2029 firsts. Uh, that gives you less spending power in the future. Uh, that only works if you want to operate and as an above the cap team uh, going into the off season, because you know that's that's like I don't know exactly what he's making next year. I don't I don't have his contract. It's about, it's about twenty million next year. Yeah, it's about twenty million. So they'd be just under uh, the salary cap, but at that point, you might as well you, you know just keep your cap holds on the books and, keep, and you call yourself your above holds. the cap. Yeah. yeah, operate as an above the cap team. Sign Ray Hachimura through that through bird rights. Um, you know, it, it's it's a completely different route the Lakers would be going. And I don't know that Boyan Bogdanovich is the player that's worth abandoning the route you had been planning to go on for a year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So in my mind... I, I've been of the mindset that the Lakers, they whatever they do, right? You look at the Western Conference, it's incredibly compact. There's still a lot of opportunities to move up. Now, unfortunately, in the last few days, the teams ahead of the Lakers have largely been winning and winning, and in some cases, winning games you wouldn't expect them to. So that doesn't help. But nonetheless, the Lakers still have plenty of opportunity to move up. The West is incredibly compact. But whatever you do, I think they've got to make moves that can help them not just this year, but in the future as well. This isn't an all-in on this season approach yeah. because you never know they are sitting below the the playoff line right now so you never know exactly uh what's going to happen how things are going to play out through the rest of the season that said Boyan Bogdanovich being under contract next year kind of like we talked about with Lonnie Walker I think it actually improves his value compared to what the Pistons had to pay in order to get him from the Jazz this past summer and if you're going to give up a first round pick for a 34 year old um that having that 34 year old be someone who's shooting 42% from three and 21 points per game. So on high volume, that's, that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. That's something that would definitely help. I mean, I, so there's days where I watch the Lakers and I just think, Oh my gosh, I look at the way teams are defending them. I think if you've got a true sniper in here, a real knockdown three point shooter, they're just going to go berserk because teams are packing the paint so much against the Lakers uh, with LeBron on the floor. Now with AD coming back, that they're going to get a ton of open looks. So I can't say it would be the wrong move, but I do share your concerns about his age. Is he really uh, essentially kind of a two-year window with the Lakers? Now he does have a third year under contract, but it's a it's a team option or it's, it's a partial guarantee on that third year. I think it's only $2 million guaranteed. So you can move on from him pretty quickly, but if I'm going to give up an unprotected first, I don't know if I want it to be a player that I'm thinking, hey, I've got a couple years and then we're going to move on. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the giving up an unprotected first to essentially alter the way you're going to operate for the next two seasons yeah, um, it is not not the best way. Now, what about if you were to add value with Sadiq Bey or Alec Burks, though? Toss one of them in. So, and by the way, to get a deal done for Bogdanovich, we'd be talking about a Russell Westbrook and, or, I'm sorry, a Patrick Beverly and Lonnie Walker trade in order to stack up enough salary. So you've got some players outgoing there to make it happen. But if you were to add in, and Alec Burks, Sadiq Bay. Obviously, there's a difference in value between those two. But yeah. would that push you a little bit uh, towards doing a deal with the Pistons? A- Alec Burks as a player is like, I I, I am intrigued by the fit. Uh, he's not like, you know, a game changer. But like, I'm intrigued by the fit. I don't know that Boyan and Alec Burks is worth the unprotected first. Uh, now, Sadiq Bay is the opposite where I don't know what really his, like his fit is not amazing. But he's young. Yeah. Uh, I believe he like I believe in him probably more than the average person does. Um, so with that, I'm like, okay, we're not getting a perfect fit alongside LeBron and AD, but we're getting another young guy in the door with years of team control ahead of him. Um, so maybe that's worth giving up an unprotected first. But I don't know that the Pistons would just want 
one unprotected first for Boyan and Sadiq Bey. They'd probably sure. ask for one plus. Yeah. Yep. Most likely. That's uh, that's what they would do. All right. Let's jump over to, um, and again, you have to decide if you're willing to part, part with Patrick Beverly, who's doing some things for you now, and Lonnie Walker and you know other pieces in, in these trades. But let's jump back west and let's talk about the San Antonio Spurs. This is another team that uh, the, the Spurs and a team we're going to talk about in just a bit, the Pacers, these are teams that really have to take on some salary. They're below the salary floor. So, and it's not the worst thing in the world. I'm not saying that they are desperate to take on salary or anything like that. Just saying that they, they've got some added cushion there. They, they haven't spent the NBA minimum yet, but, and I, I don't recall exactly how far below the floor it, it, they are, but let's they're say they are, far. they're not very far, but let's say they're 10 million below the salary floor. What would happen is at the end of the season, if they're still 10 million below the floor, that $10 million just gets divided up between all the players on the team. So that money is being spent no matter what. So they have the ability to take on salary without it actually ca causing them to pay out any more. That's money that's already spent. So that's an advantage for a team like the Spurs, like the Pacers, uh, who are below the salary floor currently. They also have some players that have been in a lot of rumors here. Yaka Pertle, Josh Richardson, Doug McDermott being the main pieces. But we've also heard that the asking price is extremely high for Pertle. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that trio of players? Should there be any interest there? from the Lakers. I'll have to say I wasn't that impressed with either McDermott or Richardson when the Lakers played the Spurs. Yeah. Um, I, I have kind of long been on the train of like Richardson and McDermott are probably the cheapest yeah. combo of players that you can get in a rust deal that would improve the Lakers right now. Um, with, with wing play. Yeah. With wing, with, with fit in terms of what, you know, you're not getting, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner are more talented. Uh, whoever else we're going to discuss in this video, probably more talented. But in terms of fit, you are getting the sniper three-point shooter that you're after in Doug McDermott. You're getting a wing defender that you've been after in Josh Richardson. There and it and it's two players, so you're adding depth to your to your roster. Um, I I really like a deal like this. Obviously, you know, for two firsts, definitely not. Even for one first, I'm not sure. I wonder if there's a world where, you know, th this type of deal could be had for, you know, two or three seconds. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that the Spurs are are going to get much better for these for these two guys. So if they could, you know, take on maybe it's a, a protected first. They take on Russell Westbrook for you as a favor because they're giving you the huge trade exception uh, that would come with uh, Richardson and McDermott for Russ. Uh, so maybe it's a protected first, but I, I don't I don't really see a world in which those two guys are fetching a protected first or an unprotected first. So it feels like the Lakers have not leverage, but just like, do you want something for those guys or do you want nothing for those guys? Because yeah. I think 28 other teams are going to be really excited to offer you nothing for those two guys. Well, and McDermott is under contract for next season, so there is some opportunity cost there where you're going to be eating into your, your salary cap space unless you decide, again, you're going to be an above-the-cap team. But nonetheless, it's interesting in terms of fit. It sounds like the Spurs are asking for a ton for Jakob Pertl. Um, yeah. If what we've heard about teams still demanding a first just for having to take Russell Westbrook is true, then that's going to make it tough to do a deal with the Spurs that involves... It's going to be, make it tough to do a deal with anybody that involves Russ because yeah. I don't think value-wise the Lakers and, and the opposing team are going to see eye-to-eye -eye if they're demanding payment of a first-round pick just for taking Russ and then adding on to that. 
if you're going to uh, expect any kind of value coming back. So that could make things difficult. But I still think that when push comes to shove, despite how high prices are, do we see like a Rui Hachimura-esque situation here with the Spurs where people are, you know, oh, no, it's a first-round pick. It's a first, definitely has to be a first. And then suddenly we see, you know, that soften a bit. And, okay, we're going to do it for some seconds. And then maybe there's a deal to be made. Yeah, I mean, we're, we are running out of uh, softening days on on value because we, we got about, I don't know, I think it's 12 days left. Just, just under two weeks, yeah. Yeah, so I, there is absolutely a chance that things could still, you know, the the Jakob Pertle market is probably not as robust as the Spurs thought it was when they uh, when they put that out there, um, that they wanted, you know, whatever they wanted for him. Um, but, you know, it's still going to be a strong market. Uh, he... This this report that he wants twenty million a year uh, this yeah, offseason probably happen. probably hurt the Spurs because <laughs> I don't think anyone in the NBA wants to pay Jakob Pertl you know four years eighty million dollars. Um, but you know th- this is such is the trade deadline. It's going to be leverage city for the That's next right. twelve days. All the smoke, all, all the smoke's going to be coming out. All kinds of smoke screens. All kinds of stuff's going to be coming out about it. this team wants this player. This player wants this much money. All all of that. Um, speaking of which, let, let's jump over to the Pacers. The Pacers have been sliding without Tyrese Halliburton. Are we back in range to start discussing Miles Turner and Buddy Heald to LA again? This was most of our summer was spent discussing this pairing. Yes. Everything we, we've heard is that the Lakers had the opportunity to do, to do it right before media day, opted not to. What is this actually? Is there a chance this finally gets done? Russell Westbrook and the two picks for Heald and Turner. I still don't think this is worth two firsts. I didn't think it in August. I didn't okay. think it in November. And I still don't think it's worth two firsts. Uh, Jeff uh, from Dodger Blue is screaming at me right now uh, because he has long <laughs> he wants been... He that trade. He I, was, been, I was in favor of ultimately doing it as, as well. Just to, I was, just to I was on an there. island kind of. It was. I think it was just me and like Ryan Ward. <laughs> now, are, are you... When you said you wouldn't do this, like... And we'll talk about these guys individually. How much of it are you factoring in that AD has had so much success at center and then questioning, do we do you really want to move him out of that role? Yeah, a, a part of it is two unprotected firsts. I, like, if you're giving up your last two unprotected firsts, meaning you don't have a future tradable first-round pick until 2031, which wouldn't become available until 2025, Um you know, when we're talking about trading future firsts, obviously they will have individual firsts that they could trade after the draft uh, between now and then. But if you're talking about trading those two firsts and putting yourself in that hole, you really got to be sure that what you are getting back is like puts you at least in the conversation for championship contention. It, it can't be like, well, this makes us better. Let's see what happens in the playoffs. It can't be that. Because Miles Turner is about to be a free agent. Uh, Buddy Heald has one more year under contract, I believe, right? It's two mm-hmm. years. Yep, one more year. So, like, you're getting these two guys. If Miles and AD turn out to not be the, the fit we all think they're going to be, because, you know, two centers, basically having two centers on the floor in the playoffs uh, can always lead to disaster. That ends up not working out. Miles Turner leaves. Now you're left with Buddy Heald and you spent two unprotected first round picks on buddy healed who's north who's about to be north of 30 
uh, and is already declining in terms of his three-point percentages. I, people called me crazy last time I said that. Um, literally one glance at his basketball reference page shows that his three-point percentage has gotten worse each of the last four years. In terms of, I would assume that if you're doing this deal, you're either extending Miles Turner or you you feel comfortable. You're right. If, if you have any sense that Turner might be on the way out of the summer, that he's going to leave in, in free agency, there's then there's no way you're doing the deal. But I, I think you would have to already have an agreement ahead of time of, hey, this is what we're yes. willing to pay you, whether it's be an extension or, or a new and, contract. And that's where the, the fit questions come into play of, is, is Miles Turner and AD the duo – I'm building around for the next four years, three, four years. And I just, I don't know. Um, I think if any two centers in the league could make it work, it's those two given their skill sets, but it's still two centers on the floor in the playoffs. Um, I'm not like, I'm not comparing the situations, but like ask the Timberwolves how they're feeling about that uh, right now. They're probably not feeling too hot about their two centers plan. So true. Gobert, yeah. obviously, very different animal, but but Gobert and Turner are very different players. Uh, AD and Towns are very different players. I, I'm not trying to like make a comparison in terms of the players itself, but like putting two centers out there in a league, like going out and trading two unprotected firsts so that you can have the honor of playing two centers in 2023 is just like a weird proposition that I don't know that I'm fully in on. Well, and I understand that that concern. And, you know, for me, I look at, I mean, my God, if somebody's attacking the rim and AD is your primary defender and Miles Turner is coming over from the weak side, like that's that's hellacious. That, that's absolutely insane. Um, or vice versa. Teams will not on score. The, absolutely. Right. And, and that's but on the flip side, it's can you cover enough on the perimeter? You know, both those bigs are you know fairly mobile, but there also is the injury factor. How How many heart attacks would we have per game? And, you know. All that sort of thing. How much do I want? As much as I trust those guys, like defensively as players, how how often do I want AD or Miles Turner having to sprint out to the corner uh, to, yeah. to close out to make the next rotation? Like, how often do I want that happening in a game with two guys who have foot and ankle histories? Sure, and that's and those that. are those are legitimate and definitely valid concerns when you're when you're looking at doing this kind of deal. Um, what about just trading for Buddy Heald? I mean, like he's he's going to be out there. Um, this, in fact, because he's under contract next year, he, you, I mean, you're not parting with a first in order to get Buddy. Like you could do Patrick Beverly and Lonnie Walker for Buddy Heald, and and maybe you have to toss in a second or something. And you're giving the Pacers expirings and a wing they could look. For. I mean, that yep. that could be a deal right there. That is the number one thing that I personally, based on nothing, just. I personally think that is what will happen. Like, if I had to make a prediction, that's what I think is going to end up happening. I think it's going to be Patrick Beverly, Lonnie Walker, and a second, maybe two seconds, because you know Rob Palenka loves to overpay, um, maybe (laughs) two seconds for Buddy Heald by himself. I think that's what ends up happening, because I think the Pacers are going to look around the league landscape and say, no one's given us anything for Buddy Heald. So, and like... Buddy Heald's not getting better. You know, as, as much as we all like Buddy Heald, he's not, like, going to magically improve as a defender. He's basically no. 30 at this point. He he's is a shooter. He's got a legit NBA 
talent here and, and everything. Yeah. It's not like he's a terrible, it's not like teams just flat out don't want to, the contract is very much mixed into this. Where do you want to pay? It's about 20 million next year. Do you want yeah. to pay that contract next year? You're learning like the heat are learning with Duncan Robinson paying upwards of 18, $20 million for a guy with one discernible NBA skill. And Buddy Heald is elite at that NBA skill, but he's got one. And it's not always the stickiest of skills. You can have fluctuations year to year in in shooting percentage, which has a, which in turn fluctuates value uh, considerably. If you're, if you're one NBA skill is defense, which like for a few years, Alex Caruso, his only NBA level skill for the first two years of his career was defense. He was like an insane defender. He Mm -hmm. added, you know, a passing element, uh, a corner three element that made him like a really great role player. But for a while it was just defense, but that was so valuable because defense is there every night. You don't have off nights defense. Like you can be tired, but you don't have off nights defensively. Buddy Heald, as elite as he is at shooting, he may go 0 for 6 one night. Like that just might happen. It's okay, mm-hmm. but it might happen. And so I think teams are looking at that and saying, eh, do I want to give up anything of real value for this dude who like can shoot but not really do anything else? And even that, sometimes he might have off nights. Whereas the Lakers are saying, for Patrick Beverly, Lonnie Walker in two seconds, sure, why not? And the Pacers, right. th- that that's probably their best option. Well, and let me let me mention this, Ron, because if we're talking about a deal where you're not including those those first round picks, which a lot of teams are going to be trying to get those unprotected first from the Lakers, that's the most value. Those are the most valuable trade assets right now the Lakers have, um, outside of you know LeBron and AD, the ones that they're realistically trading. Um, If you do something and you don't include those firsts. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think there's, and again, you're not getting a Bogdanovich. You're not getting, uh, so you're not getting Jakob Pertl. You're not getting Miles Turner. You're not getting, you know, some of these top targets unless you're including those first. But if you can find something where you go, oh yeah, hey, Rui Hachimura and you give up seconds. That's a good deal. Buddy healed and you gave up seconds. Okay, that's that's not so bad, right? And then you've got this this salary on the books for next for this summer. And guess what you have this summer to play with? You don't have cap space anymore, but you have that set that 20 million dollars that you can send out and say and three first round picks because then you would have 27, 29 plus most likely it'll be the Pelicans pick this summer that you can trade as soon as that's not a pick. It's almost, it's, I mean, That's not it's that almost bad. like having mid-range salaries, first-round picks, and bird rights really helps you build a coherent roster. It's so, almost uh, like it. I mean, there's some real appeal to that. If you're, yeah. if you're looking, if the Lakers are looking at this summer and saying, hey, we really want to make a big move this summer, you can kind of have your cake and eat it too if you can find like a buddy heel type trade where you take on some future salary, but you believe it's tradable salary over the summer, particularly when you get picks involved, because you'd be able to add somebody to help you right now, plus still be a player on the trade market come summer. If you go the all cap space route, 
And hey, Rui, okay, we're going to let him walk away. Russ is going to expire. And our team is going to be LeBron and AD. It's torn down to the studs. And that's it. And we're going to build back up from there. You don't have any salary ballast to really send anything out in a, in a trade. You're just using the cap space that you've got in order to trade four players if you're going to use those picks in any kind of a deal, which then takes away from your spending power. If you act as an above-the-cap team, you make a trade now that adds on some future salary. You can trade away that salary, still have at least your mid-level exception to play with in terms of going out there on the free agent market. So you can be a free agency player. You can also be a player on the trade market if you do something like this. Ron, I'm talking myself into this. This is making more and more sense the more I go through this. This is this is what I think, like, if I... If you know, if you forced me, you gave me some money and said you have to make a bet on what the the what trade the Lakers are going to make. I think it's going to be just Buddy Heald. I think it's going to be Patrick Beverly, Lonnie Walker, one or two seconds at absolute most, but I think probably one second if I had to guess. Um, I think for Buddy Heald, and then you move forward with all those things you just said. I think this is a really really solid option for the Lakers. It, it gives you future flexibility while also improving your team right now. I mean, Buddy Heald still is that guy. I mean, he still shoots. I don't know what he's at this season exactly. I, I couldn't tell I'll you. Off the top of high, high volume for sure. I imagine he's in the high 30s to low 40s, uh, maybe 39 if I had to throw a guess out there. Uh, ooh. He's at 43. Wow. 43% from three on nine attempts per game. That's that's higher. We talked about the, that regression was there that you were talking about, and then but this it's year, it's jumped up this year. It's jumped up more than than I had realized. Yeah, I got. I did not realize that either. I had seen the uh, the previous years, you know, going from forty two to thirty nine to thirty eight to thirty six. Now he's, he's back up to forty three. He's been on a heater the last. If you watching through through November. It had dipped. He was 33% from three in November. In December, he shot 52% from three. And in January, he has shot 43% from three. So it's been the, the last six, seven weeks. He's really skyrocketed up compared to where he was earlier well. in the season. So, yes. so this is kind of where I'm at in terms of the bet, the option. We're going to get into some other teams, I'm sure. Um, yep. A couple more. Yeah, but a few more. this is where I'm at in terms of like, I think this is, the safest move that you can just go ahead and make and say, look like we are in a good position moving forward. And, and he's the one that got away. Right. So there's that element of it Rob too. Blanca and former really Rob Palenka like, claim. I think Rob Palenka sits at night and like looks at a picture of buddy healed before he goes to sleep. Just like <laughs> he's the, he's the I Wolverine I, meme. <laughs> I can't believe I let you go. <laughs> That's probably accurate. To, yeah. to some, him or Eric some Gordon, I think are the two. It's like, I can't oh, believe man. I let you go. Oh man! Speaking of, do you want to give up a first-round pick to get Eric Gordon? No, and no one me, in the league does. And I don't know why nope. the Rockets keep thinking that like <laughs> magically someone's going to want to. No one wants to. Houston. He's another where if it, the cost was second rounders or something. Okay, you could talk yourself into it, but uh, first, no. Uh, also, along that line, you talked about Alex Caruso. Would you like to give up two firsts to get Alex Caruso back? <laughs> uh, no, like, but I that's, thought about it. That's, no, that's what just went out look, there, was Alex that the Bulls want two firsts. Yeah, yeah. They're not getting two firsts. I think it's really cute that they want that. Um, I think it's really exciting for them that they want that. They're not going to get that. Um, if I'm the Golden State Warriors, I am offering, like, a Jonathan Kuminga or a Moses Moody, 
maybe even with a first for Alex Caruso. That would completely change their team. Um, but that's their team. Um, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, Zach Levine, all names that have shown up. Uh, the Bulls are one of those teams that could flip and become sellers. They've won some games recently. But would you have any interest in, in those players specifically, knowing like, I mean, Zach Lowe brought up Russell Westbrook and both picks for Zach Levine uh, the other day. And um, you can do something there. You could do Russell Westbrook and, and the picks for DeMar DeRozan and Vucevic. Are, are you interested in doing any of those kinds of trades? They feel like a, the big, splashy Lakers-esque trades, but I'm not necessarily convinced they're the right moves. Definitely not Zach Levine. The injury concerns me. The contract concerns me. Um, Nikola Vucevic, not interested for all the reasons I said about Miles Turner, except 100 times worse. Um, and then DeMar DeRozan is interesting. The fit isn't great. And I think Lakers fans all, when DeMar DeRozan was doing what he was doing last year, which was like one of the most historically great clutch seasons of all time um, in terms of, you know, the percentages and the volume in, in crunch time. Um, they saw what he was doing there in Chicago and they saw what Russ was doing here and said, Rob Polinka, you idiot. Why didn't you go get DeMar DeRozan? Yep. But when the first DeMar DeRozan rumor broke for the Lakers before Russ, before Buddy, even when it was like, Hey, DeMar DeRozan is the guy the Lakers are going to get this off season. All of us were saying, eh, like, probably not right there's some like, fit, there's fit concerns there as well right there's there's fit concerns there and and you know demar DeRozan is probably a more trustworthy player than russell westbrook by you know for a number of reasons the contract is also a little friendlier um a lot friendlier but you know we had all those same fit concerns that we did for us we had those about demar DeRozan first and i think it's important to remind people of that when they get lost in the crunch time numbers from DeMar, because if DeMar becomes a Laker and it's crunch time, guess what? The ball is not going to DeMar most of the time. The ball is going to LeBron. So you're taking away what DeMar DeRozan has done best over the last year and a half with Chicago because you're giving the ball to LeBron in those moments 70% of the time. DeMar will probably still have his moments, um, but it, it just – to me, it doesn't make a ton of sense, and I definitely don't want to give up assets of significant value to get DeMar DeRozan, and then we're sitting here in two months saying, oh, wait, like we're having all the same problems. Well, and can, I, I think DeMar DeRozan does check the box as well of if Russell Westbrook is on the way out and you're concerned about playmaking, he can operate out of the pick and roll well enough when LeBron is off the yeah. floor to where he, he checks that box. But I agree. Like, And then when you factor in, you just added Rui Hachimura, who is a mid-range scorer primarily. That's what DeMar DeRozan also is primarily. They'd be eating up some of the same space. So I think it only compounds those, those fit concerns. Um, uh, to finish off the Bulls, if Rob Palenka has Buddy Heald for Patrick Beverly, Lonnie Walker, and a second sitting in front of him, and Zach Levine for Russ and all the picks, he's doing the Zach Levine deal, isn't he? Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah, of course. That's, yeah. That's, I think that, that, this, fans, be prepared for that. 
that's the big splashy trade that I don't think they would be able to resist. And it may not be the wrong. I mean, look, Zach Levine's young. He's got, he's explosive. He, he would be an interesting fit and all that. I think Ron's concerns are accurate in terms of the, the contract long-term, the injury history. Could it become a bad contract? Uh, is it a bad contract already? Like there's all those things are, are baked into it. So I'm not saying Zach Levine is the worst basketball player or anything like that, or would be a terrible fit, but there's some legitimate concerns and reason to be concerned if he's like you're all in, and that's what both picks would mean, you're all in, we need to win a championship if we give up these things. Um, there's some reason to be a little bit nervous about that. I've, I've heard from some unnamed uh, people. Sources. Uh, Zach Levine, like, and I, I firmly agree with this, so I'll just say this is my own quote too. Um, I think Zach Levine is like entering the territory of worst contract in the NBA discussion. Like, I think he's in, like, he's not there yet, but he's, like, nearing that bubble of, like, wow, is this the worst contract in the league? Who would you I rather have on the, on their contract, Zach Levine or Bradley Beal? They're both on that bubble. Right, <laughs> right, similar situations. Bubble. I'd probably rather have Zach Levine, um, yeah. but, but, like, not by much. And one injury, you know, if he, if Zach Levine misses another stretch of games due to a knee concern, he quickly surpasses Buddy uh, Bradley Beal. Sorry, uh, Freudian slip. Quickly surpasses Bradley Beal as like that guy that I'm like, oh, that's that's a terrible deal. Right. All right, let's let's head up north. Uh, we've got a couple teams left to finish. The Toronto Raptors, uh, interesting team, and Fred VanVleet coming up big in the clutch, joining Clutch Sports. Yeah. But and there are multiple Raptors players, and plus their coach is, is a the Raptors are player. are quietly Team Clutch East. Clutch, clutch North is the clutch is the North. Raptors, but um, but what do you what are your thoughts on? I mean, OG Ananobi would be great, but I think he's going to be really expensive. Fred VanVleet andor Gary Trent Jr. What what could be brewing there? Okay, just so that you know the viewers get a sense of how I value players. OG Ananobi is one of like maybe like I don't know how many. Of the guys that you could realistically argue are available for two first-round picks, OG Ananobi is one of the guys I'd say yes to. Okay. Like, I, if if for the Raptors would never do this, but if for some reason the Raptors said, yeah, we'll do Russ in two firsts for OG and whatever, sign me up. I'm in. I like OG Ananobi a lot. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's a Great. perfect fit. Wing defender can shoot a little bit, can do a lot of things for you out he, there. He does the everything that I, when I watch a Lakers game, I'm saying, man, this they're missing this. And yeah. I feel like OJ Ananobi is that guy. So that's where I stand on him. But he's not, I don't think he's realistic, a realistic get for the Lakers. So I'm not really focusing on that. The F, the, the Fred Van Bleet Trent thing, I yeah. didn't think anything of it. And then the rumors started flying around that he was going to join Clutch. And that he has joined Clutch. And I would say, what a weird time to join Clutch. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Like, 
Why? I mean, he's why? heading into free agency this summer, but yes, right before the trade why deadline is interesting. Wait until free agency to do that. Then, yep. Like <laughs> he's not a free agent until July first. So that's weird. now. Why <laughs> would he do that? Why? <laughs> why would Fred Van Vliet, twelve days before the trade deadline, say, "Rich Paul, you are my guy"? Why would he do that if not if not to be traded? And if not to be traded to the team that all the clutch guys migrate to, which is the Los Angeles Lakers. So, you know, probably nothing happens there. But Red Van Vliet and Trent is now like officially a package. I'm like a trade package that I'm watching because I'm yeah. saying they're both clutch. Uh, you know how much Rob Palinka loves small guards. They're, they're his favorite Hearts thing league. on planet earth he, it's a guards league especially the ones that are six foot two and can't defend he loves those guys so i'm looking at that and i'm saying that's a package i think they might do i mean that was fred van Vliet's thing for a little bit was he was so tenacious defensively um yeah but he's like he, uh, it's like that's starting to slip like right like, but i'm saying like if you put him on a team with lebron where suddenly he doesn't have to do all the stuff offensively. Sometimes that defense can ramp back up. Again, I'm not saying he's suddenly going to become all world defender, but but nonetheless, let, let's get to the crux of it. Here. Trent is a non-defender, so you know. So if if and I think part of the challenge is both Gary Trent Jr. and Fred VanVleet have to be paid this summer. So if you're a Lakers team that hasn't always shown a willingness to pay, that that could be. I mean, you're, you're talking about if you trade for these guys you're committing to paying them this summer and that's going to be very expensive. Like you're going to have to pay a lot for, for you're probably duo. paying each of them an an average of like 18 to 22 million a year for Van Vliet might even want, I mean, Van Vliet reportedly turned down four years, 114. Yeah. He's, he, he's insane. Unless the Orlando magic are more insane. They're the only team that I think could offer him more. Um, yeah. I think, you know, for, so for Trent, you're probably giving up in the ballpark of like a four year, 80, 80, that's what I'm four thinking. year, four year, 90 at most Fred, Fred Van Vliet is like a four year, hundred, four year, one ten. not great, but you, yeah, you have to fork over that cash. So that's, that's a hurdle to overcome. But if Jeannie says, Yes, I will pay for these players. Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., Russ going out. Maybe you have to throw in Kem Birch, something like that, in order yeah. to make it work. Chris Boucher, something right, just to add some salary going out from from Toronto. Uh, and it's going to cost you both first. Are you are you doing that deal if you're the Lakers? I am personally not doing that deal, but it's. It's closer than Miles and Buddy, and and we've discussed okay. this before. Of yep. you actually think the Miles and Buddy deal is better, um, and I think I think it's super arguable either way. I think I, I, think, I think no, I think they're very close. I think I they're think very very close. Pretty much anyone that like has studied these deals the way we have could probably go either way. Could probably be talked into either side. As we sit right here, I would lean more towards Fred VanVleet and Gary Trent. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't harp on anyone who feels the opposite. So if you had both deals on the table and, 
the Fred Van Vliet deal requires Max Christie to be added in and the Miles Turner deal does not, does that sway you? Yeah, a little bit. It also sways me. I'm asking Fred Van Vliet, like, hey, realistically. What like, do we really have to pay hey, you? <laughs> okay, I know you rejected four for one fourteen. Like, all right, dude. But, like, what are you asking for? And if Fred Van Vliet says, okay, I said that, but, like, from you, like, I'll take four one ten. Then I'm and, like, and I'll okay. get I'll get more sponsorship deals in LA and stuff, it's and I'll make it like, up on that end. It's right. a lot, but I would say, but if he's like, nah, like four four for one fourteen, not even close. I need four one twenty five minimum. Like, yeah, I need a max contract. I'm like, okay, all right, Fred, <laughs> stay in Toronto, have fun with that. Uh, we'll go with Miles and Buddy. Wow, yeah, man, this could this could really be a thing. Yeah. I think it's, really I think that's thing. real. I think that's real. Again, I I don't like to play the like agent game, but like it is extremely suspicious to sign with Clutch Sports 12 days before a trade deadline in which you are trying to get traded and paid. And the Lakers are a team that has assets to trade for you and money to spend. <laughs> like But I will say that the name that keeps popping up is the Orlando Magic. That's the name that keeps that keeps that keeps popping up. But you're right when you're really when you're really looking at this and trying to connect the dots the Lakers make some sense here, but and 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 the Magic, you know, this is the this is always the case. Um, every year when there's like a couple of free agents that aren't max guys, but are like in the tier below max, mm-hmm. there's always the really bad team with cap space really wants me. The, yeah. There's always the leverage grab. Fred Van Vliet, maybe the Magic do want him, but Fred Van Vliet is very smart to be like, oh yeah, that that bad team with like. 60 million dollars in cap space they actually want to give me all of that so if you want yeah. me you, you better come get me. me you gotta trade for me now and then pay me all that money that they're gonna pay me true true so I, the I game know. within the game smoke screen. all right let's uh let's finish off with the charlotte hornets um what uh what are we looking at i mean this is clearly a team that's going to be selling off players here terry rogier Kelly Oubre Jr. has been, been injured, but maybe a name that's out there. Gordon Hayward, uh, P.J. Washington, though I think they, they would like to keep him. Uh, yeah, they're, there's they're a few other players. The money that Miles Bridges was supposed to get. Right. So what are, what are we thinking on the Hornets? That's one that's been bouncing around forever. Um, I mean, Michael Jordan's been a fan of Russell Westbrook for a while. I, I don't know how sold I am on the Hornets pieces, though. This is the deal I've always been the most, like, lukewarm on like yeah. almost to the point where i don't even care about it like <laughs> like okay terry rosier kelly Oubre jr gordon hayward they're basketball players like terry rosier is good but i'm like okay it's more small guards i you know i like his fit better than i like russ's fit by a considerable margin even though i think russ is a better basketball player than terry rosier and, and he's played great over the last month he's averaging 25 points per game yeah uh, just under five assists and shooting 39% from three. So Rogier, like he started the season off slow, but he's, yeah. he's bounced back for sure. He's, he's, he's solid for sure. You know, I wouldn't hate him. It's more, it's more Uber and Hayward that I'm just like completely lukewarm on. Like yeah. these dudes or whatever, like they're both basketball players and I have nothing more to say about them. Um, I've like, that's the, that's the one I've always had like the, the weakest opinion about where it's just like, eh, like I don't really want to do that. It. I don't. I don't even know that the Lakers want to do that. I feel like the Hornets is one of those where Rob Palinka is sitting there, and it's like, I guess I'll make a trade. Press the Hornets button. Like, 
Yeah, I, I think there's some interesting, you know, fits there. Rogier, you're taking on a lot of long-term salary. Um, again, it's it's nobody that I'm getting super excited about, but there's some guys who could could certainly help. Uh, Jalen McDaniels, if you can get him involved somehow, obviously not making a lot of money, but he's been a name that's been out there. He would also be an interesting fit. Um, yeah, for the Lakers Kelly or Gordon. <laughs> sure, absolutely, absolutely. But um, you know, if the Lakers decide, hey, we really need to mix things up quite a bit, the Hornets might not be a bad option, and, and you might not have to pay nearly as much because Hayward's not going to have as much value and he's under contract next year. Rozier has multiple years left under contract. It's not like, like if we talk, Hey, Russ for in a deal with Terry Rozier, I don't think you're suddenly talking multiple first round picks to get that done. No, I think this is one of those, like the Spurs deal where it's like maybe a protected first or maybe even a handful of seconds. Um, you know, but if we're talking that type of deal anyway, I think I'd rather the Spurs, um, just because the players in that deal are good fits and they're the good players in that deal. Whereas like the Hornets, the good player in the deal is not the one that fits the best. It's the one that fits the least. And the rest are just kind of like there. Like the ones that fit are the kind of just guys that are there. Yeah. Yeah. They're not necessarily the guys that are going to move the needle. All right. Well, some interesting options potentially for the Lakers on the market. I know there's some uh, other teams that we didn't discuss. And there's always, you know, it takes one phone call and suddenly somebody else is, is available and something, some other possibilities there. But I mean, the New York Knicks are a little too good now to be desperate yep. for us. Um, I was really hoping that wouldn't be the case, but here they are. They're, you know, they're pretty solid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they have been. They have been. So yeah, there's not. Look, there, there's always the possibility for a surprise team to pop in here, but I think this is a pretty good discussion on the overall trade market for the Lakers and what it looks like. So uh, Lakers Nation, let us know if you're watching the YouTube version of this. Let us know in the comments section. What option do you prefer? What do you think the Lakers should do out there on, on the trade front? Is it nothing? Is it Do you do a smaller move and try to preserve future first for, for the summer? What, what are you doing? Uh, are you pulling the trigger on Zach Levine, on maybe a Miles Turner Buddy Heel deal, and DeMar DeRozan? What what should the Lakers be looking to do? And Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., ooh, let's keep an eye on that one. Could that potentially be interesting? Give us your thoughts in the comments section. Ron, always great talking Lakers with you. Thanks for uh, for coming on here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. All right, everybody, make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. We're going to keep you up to date and everything going on, heading into the trade deadline coming up on February 9th. And of course, if you follow the Apple podcast version of the show over on Spotify, make sure you do give us that five-star rating and review. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.